Missing People is one of the largest charities in the UK that will find people that are reported missing. Alex is running the London Marathon, which has been postponed from April this year, 2020, to October 2020. And we are proudly supporting missing people, in particular Alex. Please get behind him and listen today to what he has done to recover from a long-term back injury to get himself back and running marathons. Okay, so I'm joined here today with Alex Livingston. Thank you so much for coming on board with us, Alex. So we're really, really excited to get into exactly how it is with your running. And obviously, as I said in the intro, you're ultra marathon runner, marathon runner extraordinaire, and obviously doing a lot of great work for missing people. So what we really want to know here at West Chiropractic is what made you want to start running? And when you started running, did you ever envisage yourself running a marathon, let alone an ultra marathon? No, definitely not. So when I, I've always done, I guess, a little bit of running sort of here and there. I sort of, you know, ran sort of two, three miles sort of when I was at school. I kind of stopped running when I was at university almost completely and then I'd sort of not really given it much thought and then I did a sort of a fun run sort of like a 5k at the same time when there was a marathon going on at the same time and I just thought you know what why not I can give this a go and then that was it really and I just started the training and sort of off I went. Amazing okay and what made the transition from obviously doing a marathon is a big thing why did you decide to do an ultra marathon? I guess it's always just, you know, what's next, what's sort of bigger, sort of better, longer, really. And once you sort of, once you sort of do a marathon, there's sort of, apart from sort of just like bringing down your time and sort of trying to go quicker, it's always sort of that thought of, you know, what's next. And so sort of the ultra, it was. I also, I was speaking to like my brother had also done one before me. So obviously there's sort of that little bit of the brotherly competition, sort of letting him sort of get away with it. I sort of had to follow him and he did that with me as well. So yeah, so it's sort of a bit of sort of post-marathon, sort of what I can do next, but post, I just, you don't want to let my brother beat me. I'm all okay with that. Two younger brothers, I understand. <laughs> you mentioned in the first question, obviously about your lower back injury. So I remember we played hockey together yeah. at university. You were always suffering with your lower back. And I always remember you stretching beforehand and afterwards and always complaining about your back. I know you're not one to complain, but that must have been a really bad injury. So, But when you actually got into your running, so what made the transition? And, and yeah. what advice would you give to people who are recovering from like a long-term back issue who want to get into running? For me, that lower back injury, sort of that put me off running for about, I think it's about four or five years. I couldn't really properly run. I could do sports like hockey and things like that, but anything where I was sort of repeating it for a sort of a long period of time, it was just impossible. And I guess because I could always play hockey and sort of other sports, I'd sort of let it get to a quite a bad place without like properly seeking sort of help and attention. And it was sort of, it was the point where I'd stopped playing hockey so much and I really did want to get back into doing other sports and I didn't want to sort of like roll out of bed on my front every day that I actually went and did get some proper advice and some proper help. And also it was taking... I'd always been sort of given sort of exercises, things like that, but I'd never actually put in the time and the commitment to actually do them. And so it was making sure that sort of every day I was sort of doing a little bit and sort of obviously, you know, previously I'd done it for a few days and not had any results to given up, but actually sort of doing it sort of every single day for weeks and months. And then as soon as you suddenly start to see the results, you can carry on. But yeah, it was just that sort of getting past that first few weeks of doing those exercises every single day, starting to see the results. Then as soon as I could start to do things like running again, it made a massive difference. Yeah, I think that's something that we hear so often especially in the clinic is people doing something for say two to three weeks and not seeing 
any results, particularly the exercises. And, and I would say 90%, 95% of people will, will often drop off the original exercise scheme that they planned. And with anything within the body, you need to be doing it for at least 90 days to actually build a habit and build a physiological change. So that's really good info, I guess, in terms of getting back into something and a perfect time to be changing our bodies now with this lockdown, which is looking like it's going to go on for potentially 90 days. So yeah, great time to start. Now with someone, obviously you're at the other end of the spectrum in terms of you have done a very, very long run, uh, an ultra marathon. What would you say to somebody who wants to start running? So for example, if they're looking at say a couch to 5k or, you know, a couple of k's running here and there, how would they progress from that to going into longer runs? So like a 10k and a half marathon, what advice would you give them? So I think the biggest mistake which most people try and do when they sort of go for longer runs is they just sort of go straight into it and then just try and run that as fast as they can. It's the sort of just making sure you completely slow it down. It should be, you should be able to talk and sort of run at that same pace. It really doesn't matter how fast you're running. It's just about putting in that time on your feet, making sure that you're covering the distance so even if it, that is, say, if you're going from a 5K to a 10K, even if it, that's you're sort of you're running, you're walking, you're running, you're walking, or it's majority walking, as long as you're sort of spending that time on your feet, I think that's the most important thing. I think people mm-hmm. get bogged down in terms of trying to keep that pace up and trying to run it as fast as they can run a, a 5K. It's just sort of, yeah, slowing everything down and sort of slowly covering that distance and you'll build, the speed comes much later. It's just sort of covering the distance first. Sure. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. In my very limited running experience, going from a 5K to say a 10K and trying to speed up, you get really frustrated with yourself when you know, your body's not in necessarily the best condition that day, maybe lack of sleep, not eating right, having a couple of beers, and you get really frustrated with yourself. But I think, yeah, if you just keep your time on your feet, even if it's a bit of time, just walk. Yeah, absolutely. That couch to 5K is such great advice because it walk, run, walk, run, gradually builds up that progression. I think that's great advice, not being too frustrated with yourself. So awesome. And mistakes. You must have made some mistakes along the way with your running training. So as you built it up, what's the number one mistake you've made and how would you advise people to stay away from that? Well, I guess I think the two mistakes which I've made previously is when you sort of have a training block and you're sort of running, doing some sort of quicker runs and things like that, is again, it's making sure that you run your slow runs, which is just you're just putting mileage in the legs. You run your slow runs as sort of much, much slower. You always think, oh, you can run much further, but that's what it should feel like. Mm. You should feel like you're not that tired at the end of them and things like that. And I think that took a while to sink in that you do have to run those slow slow runs much slower. And then I think the second mistake, which I've definitely made more than once, is when you get sort of like a, a niggle or an issue like with my lower back, or I've had problems with my groin and my sort of, I've had shin stints before, is not waiting and say, you know, oh, you know, that'll be fine. I'll just run a bit slower tomorrow or I'll do something else. It's just going to get that seen by somebody and getting that diagnosed and then getting those exercises and things like that in. Because, you know, before you know it, you can have a much, much, much more serious injury. And what could have been one, two weeks can end up being months. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I, I now definitely don't do and I've definitely learned from in the past. Yeah, sure. And I guess that's the same with a lot of runners as well. They think it will just go away. They can kind of run through it. But it could be that there's something underlying there, maybe a misalignment issue coming from anything like the foot, the knee, the pelvis, causing long-term issue. Yeah. If you were just sitting behind your desk all day, you maybe get away with it. But if you're then going and doing 5K, 10K, 15K, whatever it is, it's going to cause yeah some issues with the, the alignment. Sure. Great. 
And yeah, absolutely. With us, so now with your, your training at the moment, obviously it's a bit on hold with regards to your preparation for the London Marathon, which is supposed to be, well, I guess this weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. So obviously that's not going to happen due to the current situation. So tell us about why you're running the London Marathon, who you're doing it for, and a bit more about missing people. So I'm running the marathon for missing people who I work for. So missing people. It was set up back in the 80s after the disappearance of Susie Lamplew, who was an estate agent from Fulham, actually. And it was set up by these two sisters who basically realised that there was no support for the families of somebody who's gone missing. So they set up this helpline and it's sort of, it's really expanded from there. They sort of remortgaged their house to set it up as the charity. Now we sort of, we operate a free confidential 24-7 helpline and that we sort of provide that sort of expert support during the crisis and also on an ongoing basis to anyone who has somebody missing, but also now to people who are missing, people who are considering leaving. We try and reconnect those families and sort of obviously help people to cope, sort of try and break the cycle of disappearances and also sort of camp- trying to campaign for change around sort of legislation to do with misting. It's a really broad topic, which is, makes it a really interesting charity to work for. It cuts across all sorts of issues in terms of mental health issues, homelessness. Unfortunately, with children, it can be child sexual exploitation, criminal exploitation, Sort of also, you know, it can be a grandparent with dementia going missing and not sort of being able to find their way home. So it sort of covers a lot of issues and it's quite a sort of a, a big topic which doesn't necessarily get talked about as much as it should. Just in terms of some of the stats, I mean, somebody goes missing or gets reported missing every 90 seconds. So that's 186,000 people each year who get reported missing. So it's a, a big topic. So running a London Marathon, obviously, being really generously supported and sponsored by West Chiropractic. It's sort of not just about the fundraising, but it's also about raising awareness of, you know, of people who are missing and of the cause. Yeah, that's so great. And I was really surprised when you told me those stats as well. And obviously we wanted to support a charity for the upcoming year and for the marathon behind yourself. But when you obviously told me how the stats were and the work that you were doing missing people and they were doing and how passionate you were, it was was a no-brainer for us. So... Yeah, we're really proudly supporting Alex, supporting Missing People for the marathon, which I think has been rescheduled for October. The 4th of October, yeah. 4th of October. So hopefully things will be somewhat back to normal by then and we can all get behind Alex. How can we find out more about you? How can we find out more about your training, your progression, also Missing People? So as far as me, I'm, I'm on Strava and things like that. If people want to look that up, if people are really that sad and they're... <laughs> <laughs> that interesting which I doubt people are but to find out more about missing people we're missingpeople.org.uk and sort of you can sort of find out a bit more about the charity we also have an Instagram Twitter Facebook we always encourage people actually if they if they can to follow that so the social media feed particularly Facebook Instagram and Twitter because we do put out lots of appeals to missing people mm-hmm. and if you can just share them or even if you're just looking at them yourselves, you know, there is a greater chance of finding people who are missing. So yeah, so if you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, that'd be amazing. Sure. We'll put those links in the, the notes below as well. But Alex, thank you so, so much for giving up your time. You want advice on how we can get started with running. Really, really appreciate it. I guess it's daunting talking to someone who's run a double marathon, but it just gives you great advice that you can all start somewhere. I mean, like I said, I've played university hockey with Alex and he was literally 
rolling around on the floor for 10 minutes, stretching in chronic, chronic low back issue. And this is with a, you know, a 20 year old. <laughs> if you can, if you can come from there to run a double marathon, it does give you a lot of hope. So Alex, thank you so, so much. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you so much, Alex. That's amazing. And such a great story as well from somebody who was an international level hockey player, crippled on the sideline, having to warm up for an extra 30 to 45 minutes every single time he trained or played hockey, which was often five, six times a week, to running ultra marathons. Marathons is an incredible story. I'm not saying everybody has the level of injury that he had or everybody is going to go out and run an ultra marathon, but it goes to show that whatever injury you do have, there is hope to getting better function, getting better mobility and independence going forwards. So if you know somebody who's suffering with a long-term chronic injury, they can't do the things that they want to do, whether it's walking to the shops, getting up and down the stairs or playing football, please send them our way. Please send them to this podcast. Allow them to hear Alex's inspirational story. And also, if you want to hear more about Missing People UK and the amazing work that they're doing, please follow the links below in the show notes. And also you can see our YouTube video as well with Alex where he talks more about Missing People UK, an incredible charity that, as he said, does not get enough recognition for the amount and the statistics of the amount of people that are actually going missing every single day here in the UK, right on our doorstep. So please, let's pay attention. Let's raise some awareness, get behind him for this October for the London Marathon, and let's hope he can break the three-hour mark. No pressure.